be curious. Let kids be curious. We need to start doing that, right? Otherwise, they're just going to be stuck in these confined, you know, barriers and do the same old textbook thing. But that's boring. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I'm your host and chief goddess of the PASS Foundation, Annalise Corbin. We know the current model for education is obsolete. It was designed to create fleets of assembly line workers, not the thinkers and problem solvers needed today. We've seen the innovations that are possible within education, and it's our goal to leave the box behind and reimagine what education can look like in your own backyard. Welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. It's always super exciting about the conversations that we get to have with innovative folks in the world of education. And today actually is no different, but also a very special and bittersweet treat. <laughs> because today I wanted to uh, celebrate the fact that this is our 200th episode of Learning Unboxed. And we're super thrilled about the fact that people from all over the world have taken time out of their days to join us in this conversation. And for many of you that have been guests, you will recognize the name Fatima <laughs> Benazar. Um, and for those of you that don't, you probably know the name because you hear me make reference to Fatima from time to time on the program. And so for our 200th episode, I wanted to um, share the story and journey of one of the most remarkable young women I've ever met. And I know I'm embarrassing you, Fatima. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but um, I really did want to take time to sort of talk about the experiences that you've had. And so mm -hmm. just to set some context for our listeners, the first time I met Fatima was as a freshman in high school. Yep. <laughs> um, when she showed up um, to do an internship as a freshman, um, some coursework mm -hmm. um, with us at the Past Innovation Lab. And what I remember most about you that first year that you were here is that you were so incredibly shy. Correct. <laughs> and getting you to sort of open up and even talk with all mm -hmm. of us was sort of an epic journey. And what I really wanted to accomplish with today's episode was to talk about the things along the journey within the past ecosystem, mm -hmm. and that includes all of the partners that we've had the opportunity sure. to expose you to along the way, mm -hmm. sort of think about how maybe that has influenced the things that you've done. So just so that folks understand, so Fatima, we, we, we met her as a freshman. We had her with us all through high school and the amazing things that this young woman did. And then all the way through college, um, yeah. we, we hired her. She's been, been with us for, for many years now. And she's graduated and she's going off to a new career in industry. So we're super excited for you, but sad for us. Thank you so much for having me, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So let's, let's, start, let's start with the sort of thinking about what, what does this place sort of mean to you as it relates to the way having the opportunity to be in a place that's just all about trying new things. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm super proud of that, obviously, but I'm super biased. But <laughs> you tell me about your experiences here. Well, starting off here, I've been here for eight years now. That's like, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, a little less than half of my, you know, uh, life really being here. And um, I was just reminiscing this morning a little bit and thinking like, what was when was the first time that I like saw past and was like, hmm, what is this place? Because mm -hmm. I came here just thinking like I was lucky enough to go to Metro across the street and, you know, came over for robotics. And that was the only intention I had. And soon enough, that became, you know, the start <laughs> of my early career. 
And the first time I remember being in the back and I was walking out of robotics practice and there was half of a car mm -hmm. sitting in the back. It was like half of it was done and half of it was uh, open. And it was some sedan, a red mm -hmm. one, I remember. Mm -hmm. It was the very first that you guys had here. Mm -hmm. I was like, what in the world do they do over there at the Pass Foundation to get a car like this? I think it was a Honda Accord, was maybe. It something, something like that. It was a Honda, yeah. yeah. And now we have yeah. like a whole SUV sitting there. <laughs> we do. <laughs> but that was the first time I was like, yeah, I need to learn a little bit more about this, you know, this ominous place called the Pass Foundation. Because we were just housed here, right? Mm -hmm. And then soon enough, like I was taking coursework um, in high school and got to learn all of that. And just like looking across to see what the past did, I was like, this place really is just to, you know, open up your eyes to anything new and lets you play with things that you never would before, right? Um, I came to the first robotics practice thinking, um, like, I, this wasn't for me. Like, I'm not cut out for this whatsoever. Seriously? Yeah. I had no idea you ever thought that. Oh, I came because my friends came. That was the only reason. I am stunned I to learn this today. I oh, my goodness. So <laughs> she became, like, captain of the whole robotics team, let's just say. Three, three years later, <laughs> yeah. But my mom was like, just go try. You have to do a club anyways. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, you know, why not? And little by little, like, I don't even know what it is. Just the atmosphere of this place starts mm -hmm. to get you to want to learn more, want to do more, want to talk to more people. And one of the, I say that like past helped me build my toolbox of mm -hmm. things for life. Not necessarily just the, um, you know, the real tools, the physical ones, but the metaphorical ones, the, the soft skills that mm -hmm. Dr. B always preaches, right? One of yep. my mentors, Dr. B. And the number of mentors that I received from the past foundation, all of that has helped me, you know, build that toolbox of how to deal with problems, right? Conflict solving. And I've learned what to do and what not what to, to do, do as well, right? Because <laughs> I've seen so much of it going on in the workplace, during robotics, mm -hmm. working with young kids. There's so much that you can learn from all of that. And I guess just like little by little building all of that, I, I'm lucky enough to have like started an early career, right? Mm -hmm. Usually people are just starting out. But I feel like I'm ready for, yeah. you know, whatever else is next. Yeah. And I, I past has done that for me, right? Mm -hmm. Every year of being here, I've learned something new, something different. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And so Fatima is going to go off to be an, an engineer. Mm -hmm. She's been studying engineering for years. And so literally for years, right? You started yeah. <laughs> studying engineering the minute you decided to join that robotics yeah. team and engage in all the things. And I, I, I think that's really interesting that you talk about the fact that you felt like you've already, because of this experience and this journey, have had a career. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, you know, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're right. If I think about the things that you've been able to do. So, you know, in addition to being able to go to school and have pass be part of mm -hmm. your everyday environment in one way or another, you also then had the opportunity to learn to teach and share knowledge with others. Mm -hmm. And I think that in my, for, for me, that feels like a really important piece of what we do with yeah. the young folks who are able to come here and stay here. We have a lot of people that come and go, but we sure. actually have a fair number of, of our students who come and stay and mm -hmm. grow with us in a variety of ways. Or somehow get drawn back to it after. Yeah. yeah. Well, why do you think that is? I, there's just not necessarily a place like it, right? Mm -hmm. In the way that it's so open to doing whatever you'd like to do, right? 
in maybe that's a good thing for some people and for some people that's scary, yeah. right? The idea yeah. of like there's no walls and boundaries, there's no exact instruction manual, right? But like so uh, freshman year of college, I started running some of my first summer camps, right? Mm -hmm. So I was helping throughout high school, volunteering, looking at how it was run, and mm -hmm. I saw the Minecraft math. Yeah. I was like, cool. Like, I play this with my friends in mm -hmm. high school, and they're teaching kids now. Mm -hmm. And so I went through with that and started looking at how they did it, right? Mm -hmm. So freshman year of college, I taught my own Minecraft math. I was like, huh, this is pretty cool. But soon enough, I started to think like this, the math is really forced on into this program, right? It feels like it doesn't fit well. So from then on, I was like, can we make new Minecraft camps? Mm -hmm. And Ashley's like, yes, like. What do you want to make? Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. And I just kind of sat down and I brainstormed with her, researched everything. So now we have like, we ran Minecraft STEM, manufacturing, Minecraft maps, which is geography, coding, where art is added now. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do in those ones was make the learning feel like it wasn't learning, right? You wanted the kids to just believe they were playing. Yeah, and that's exactly how they feel. They yeah. feel like they're just building some monument. Yeah. But by the end of the week, their grades go up, or their, so we, they memorize all 50 states is the idea. Mm -hmm. The start of the week, they're at 20% of the states. And at the end of the week, most of them hit 90 or above. And it's amazing to see that because the kids were all laughing with each other, building random monuments and mm -hmm. whatever. But they remember that, you know, that one was Missouri and mm -hmm. that's located over there. Right. So right. it's this idea of the secret learning and don't make it, you know, don't try to fit a square into a circle. Right. And that's what I felt like the math did, mm -hmm. the Minecraft math. And so past being able to allow me to like kind of do whatever I wanted with it was amazing because most workplaces are like, no, 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 no. You teach what you are told to teach. Right. 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 But here it was like, yeah, I've run free with it. Mm -hmm. And we've learned from it. We've made mistakes and it's gone better and better. And now it's just kind of like a standard program we run. And it is. It's it amazing. Is. Yeah. And everybody who gets to come in and teach that is building on the foundation that Fatima built. <laughs> Right? Yes, you have that printed on t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I work at the foundation that Fatima built. Well, like my little sister now is yeah. running them, right? And she is, it's and true. And she takes bits and pieces and she's like, but what if we change this? Yeah. And it's like, go for it. Yeah. Because we want, we don't want to just stop, right? The ceiling's not the limit. Just right. keep going. Yeah. And that's, I guess, the beauty of past, right? There's no, there's no end in sight. It's right. keep moving for better and better and better. And that's... That's just why, like, it's great to like be here, right? Because mm -hmm. you feel like I can keep improving. Right. There's no end to it. Right. And there's no there's no true failure. Exactly. We fail a lot, sure. right? <laughs> but we just sort of see that as part of the iterative yeah. process of it how helps we you learn. Improve, right? right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, plenty of mistakes throughout camps and mm -hmm. work and everything, but at this point, it's like you just get better. From right. That all. So talk to me a little bit about, so the, the reality, let me step back for a second. So mm -hmm. the reality is that the thing that we've strived to build over the last 23 years mm -hmm. is a place in an ecosystem that believes in the power of truly, truly authentic learning. Mm -hmm. That we want it to be applied, we want it to be STEM, we want it to be whatever label you feel compelled Mm -hmm. in your classroom, your school, your experience, your family, to put on it, that doesn't matter to us so much mm -hmm. as we want you to have 
a very real and authentic experience and that the things that you learn and the problems that you're solving are real world things. They're tangible. Mm -hmm. They're not from a 1943 textbook, for sure, example, sure. right? They're, they matter to you, uh -huh. the learner, as much as they matter to the folks that are trying to sort of share their knowledge back with the world. Mm -hmm. But I'm really curious about how that type of learning environment, and this is a, a little bit of a loaded question because sure. you've <laughs> been in this environment all those years, right? And so yeah, other yeah. than friends who are in more traditional settings, that's not the setting you came out of, so it's a bit of a loaded question. But I'm, I'm really curious, when you sort of sit back and look at your classmates of the last four years mm -hmm. in college in mm -hmm. particular, who came from all over, from a variety of different um, high school experiences in particular, what advantages did you have? All sorts of <laughs> Because uh, you come in and talked about some of these things you're never going to believe, you yeah, know, yeah, X, yeah. Y, or Z. And it just chuckles to me because I could sort of see those things coming. But for you, you're living in it and sort of seeing how others are are doing or struggling or succeeding. Yeah. Well, going into my first college class, which was engineering, like intro mm -hmm. to engineering, fundamentals of engineering, which is what it was called. And I was like, this is just what I did freshman year of high school. Yeah. It was, you know same old wires and the same old this and the same code that I did on Arduino. And I was like, you know, this is nothing new to me, mm -hmm. right? But the kids next to me were struggling because they had never seen anything like this, right? They're always doing, you know, simulations, textbook work, all of that. And it's just not, there is no, the gap between high school and college from that point is so hard, right? It's mm -hmm. hard to close that gap for them. But for me, like my freshman year of high school, I, in this building, I took a mechatronics class. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's where I learned these like techniques, even how to take uh, documentation on engineering notebook. Mm -hmm. That was something we had to do in that class. Yeah. And everyone's like, okay, follow this rule, follow that rule. And it's like, you know, just writing along as if it was nothing new. Right. Because well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, even if I look at my, I'll bring up my younger sister mm -hmm. again, right? She's finished her freshman year of college right now, and she's took an electric engi electrical engineering class, and the same thing, they're just wiring things, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. she's like, huh, I remember all of this uh -huh. from three years ago. <laughs> so it, it's like, it's a habit that we're learning that will come again later on in life, right? Mm -hmm. Or even some of the camps that we're teaching about Arduino, those kids will see it again in high school if they come to right. or see it again mm -hmm. in college. And that is such an important skill to keep teaching them, right? for them to recognize that STEM is everywhere mm -hmm. and that we really should be, you know, integrating it in early life, in high school and all of that. Otherwise, they'll really struggle in college and their careers mm -hmm. because all of that will come. Right. right. Yeah. All of that will come. Yeah. One of the, the questions that we often get asked, um, and, and today's conversation is less about past and more about the sort of environment that mm -hmm. can be created mm -hmm. for really authentic learning. And my hope is that the takeaway that folks have from listening to you talk about this is, you know, what can they pull out and put into their own classrooms mm -hmm. or to their own experiences for students as they sort of move out into the world. And the, the other piece of all of this is it's in many ways it's wonderful, but it's also difficult, right? Mm -hmm. In the sense that what we're talking about, you know, a fully applied um, hands-on environment has less guardrails. Correct. Right? Yes. And for many students, that's a struggle. Mm -hmm. It's scary. 
Yeah. How did how did you overcome that? You had a little bit of that fear when oh, I first sure. met you, right? Because yes. I remember as a freshman, you would come in and ask every single day. You <laughs> wanted specific instructions about Correct. what you were supposed yes. to do. Yes. And often the response in an environment like this is, well, what do you think uh -huh. needs to come next? I... I remember I did not like my internship in high school. I know you didn't. I remember because that. I just did not understand. I was like, he wants me. So I was told to work with a 3D printer. Mm -hmm. And this was, you know, when 3D printers just started kind of. Pretty new. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what do you mean figure out 3D printer? Like, where is my instructions? Where mm -hmm. is my this? Like, I need an exact path to follow. And every day, you're right, I would come in and be like, hey, so what is it exactly that you want me to do today? And he'd be like, just try to figure it out. Try to print this, try to print that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, it made <laughs> me, like, I, I didn't understand mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. And being also a shy kid, it didn't help whatsoever because I was like, okay, I already asked once. Like, now I don't want to ask too many times. And I was always that kid, right? Mm -hmm. I needed to know exactly what it was, and I need the instructions, and I will do it exactly to that instructions. Mm -hmm. And I'll do it great, mm -hmm. but nothing, n no flavor of my own to add to it, right. right? Right. And then little, that internship ended, and kind of was like, I felt like I didn't learn anything, right? But then later on started to realize this idea of, I could have just done what I wanted to do, right? He gave me so much open, like, you know, freedom, mm -hmm. I could have taken that and ran with it mm -hmm. and printed whatever I wanted with all the tools that I had at the time, mm -hmm. right? Not every high school kid gets to just play around with a 3D printer. Right. Especially eight years ago, right? Right, right. And now it's sure normal, but like I, I had the, all those tools that I mm -hmm. should have really utilized. Um, but lucky enough, you know, years later I did utilize them. Right. And so for those people that are worried about the lack of boundaries, it's just a learning curve. Mm -hmm. It just takes time. Mm -hmm. And in a classroom, I guess, little by little, take off those, you know, barriers. Right. Start to let the kids research their own things. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that kids don't understand this idea of research, right? Right. When we're doing coding, it's like, I can teach you exactly how to do it, or you could research it, and you would learn way more than what I can teach you on this PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. Because... They can then follow their own interests. Right. And what kids are curious about, they want to learn more about, rather than what I have up on the board. So it's this, you know, idea of letting them roam free just a little bit. Yeah. Just let them do a little bit of their thing and teach them that it's okay to fail, right? Mm -hmm. I made so many mistakes. You know, burned a couple of LEDs, you know, destroyed <laughs> a battery. But at the end of the day, like, I learned now. Yeah. And so we just have to be open to those mistakes, open to letting kids, you know, be curious. Let kids be curious. Mm -hmm. We need to start doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're just going to be stuck in these confined, you know, barriers and do the same old textbook thing. But that's boring. It is boring. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing, and I, I, I love that you are talking about student autonomy. It's one of my mm -hmm. favorite things because it's really, really difficult for so many people to grapple with. But I also suspect over several years of you actually being in the classroom mm -hmm. with students. So, um, you know, part of your journey um, has, has been to be a student and part of your journey has been to be a teacher. Uh -huh. And at all points of your journey, you were a mentor. 
mm-hmm. whether you realized it or not, right? Mm-hmm. Even in those earliest days, um, because you mentored Dr. B as much as he was mentoring <laughs> you, right? If you think about uh-huh. the fact that you would come in every day for him and, and ask the question, mm-hmm. what do I need to do? Um, you're, you were helping that educator understand what you needed mm-hmm. and what you didn't need and how far to allow you to sort of flounder on your own. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you've ever <laughs> connected those dots, but I just want to make sure real clear that you, the mentoring was going on all directions. But in the classroom over the years that you were teaching mm-hmm. um, with us, I suspect that even on the first day, you could pick out the kids who were used to learning like this and the yes. kids who were not. Mm-hmm. 100%. How did you help the kids who were not comfortable in that space? in just a few days, because you don't mm-hmm. have them for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you help them bridge that gap? Well, so the, so the ones that were, there's some that just have this autonomy already built into mm-hmm. them. And I think it's maybe just their parents and how they've been raised, right? They're used to finding their own thing and going with it. But a lot of the kids would ask me, what do I need to build? Right. You know, mm-hmm. What is it exactly that I need to do? And I remember the start of when I started teaching like Minecraft camps, I would get very specific with Mm -hmm. my instructions Mm -hmm. because I realized that, oh, some of these kids like want that. But later down the line, I realized, why am I giving them so many instructions when they can give themselves the instructions? So I started just giving an idea, Mm -hmm. right? You need to build a monument of a state. And they, for them, that's like, that's, that's weird, right? It's I need like to a know giant what, white piece of paper. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 you're yeah, supposed yeah. to tell me what to build. Yeah. And so the best way to have, to tackle that was always to pair the one with, who wants the instructions with the one who doesn't want any instructions. Right. Because they balance each other out and it, it works well. It's playing to kids' strengths, right? Right, right. And as long as you can realize who has what strengths and pair them up well, that will, you know, they'll balance each other out. It's the same way in robotics, right? We picked out each other's strengths and we covered each other's weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I started to learn. How can you analyze and observe that in order to make a team work? And sometimes I'd get it wrong, for right. sure. Yeah. You'd get a, yeah. <laughs> three kids on a team who just want instruction yeah. and three kids on a team who would wreak havoc. Right. But it was just letting them feel a little uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know? Going up to them at that first day saying, it's okay that you don't understand what's going on right now, but you can build whatever you want, basically. Mm-hmm. Remember that imagination that got blocked because you had to just follow instructions? You know, bring that back out mm-hmm. and start building. And I'd like to always show them inspirational builds, right? Like some kids built something like this, like this, or this monument's out here in mm-hmm. you know, whatever state. And they look at it and think, and the next day, like they're just building away. Mm-hmm. And it's, you're like, wow, like yesterday you were so blocked off. What happened, right? Right. But it's just giving those kids the allowing them because they're not used to being allowed to do whatever they want. And so once you, you know, take that barrier down, they're like, okay. I'm good to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do, right? Let's go. We got this. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing what you can do in a week with a young, you know, young mind. Mm-hmm. They are willing to change and build and do whatever they want. Um, and, and the ones that are, you know, building things like crazy and we want them to, you know, like settle down, you still have to follow the right. idea yeah. of the project. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's a bit harder with them actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause they have gone so far in their autonomy that they're like, I just want to build whatever I want to build. Mm-hmm. 
but you know setting those ground rules and building the respect is well, the respect that you set at the start of every camp or every class is the one that you'll get throughout. Right. And so I've learned throughout the years that you really have to start off like I am your teacher. Right. right. Maybe I know I can be fun. I can play with you in Minecraft. Yeah. I can do all these sorts of things. But you have to set that, those boundaries. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so then the, as long as the kids respect you, they'll listen. They'll listen when you tell them to stop. They'll listen when you tell them to, you know, keep mm -hmm. going. So... It's all about that respect, I guess, yeah. amongst everyone. Yeah. And yeah. just recognizing you also have to meet kids where they are. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm super curious about how the experiences that you had played out in the first corporate internship. So, oh. <laughs> um, you know, we sent you off, I think it was last summer, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to do your your industry internship mm -hmm. for college, which we knew was coming. It was super, super important. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm just really curious as much as anything else, because we've talked about it a little bit, mm -hmm. um, about that that experience and how you would take that, that experience, A, and compare it to the other experiences that you've had, but more importantly, what were you able to draw from that sort of helped you through that? Because that was mm -hmm. complex in many yeah. ways, right? As an experience. Yes, for sure. I mean, it's getting dropped into an entire company culture for only 10 weeks of the mm -hmm. summer. And so you're trying to get used to the people, trying to get the people used to you, and then you're also assigned with some kind of task. And the task has very strict guidelines, and you're not given as much autonomy as you once were mm -hmm. given. And it, it was a weird, you know, switch because I was used to, you know, running my own classroom during the summertime mm -hmm. and people listening. And and I no longer had that same, I guess, level of respect that mm -hmm. the people at PAST gave me. Mm -hmm. At PAST, I was 18 and treated like a full adult. Mm -hmm. I was treated like a coworker. And I, I was amazed at first. I was like, these people are definitely going to treat me as a kid because I still am. But they treated me with the respect of an adult, and that's kind of the role and responsibility I had to, uh, you know, play. Mm -hmm. And so that was great for me, right? Mm -hmm. It helped me realize where I should be and kind of the maturity levels and, you know, the responsibilities of someone at work. And so that gave, gave me a great, you know, one-up on other people. But it also gave me this false sense of every company does this. Mm -hmm. So going into Sorry this, about that. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so going into the industry and working with, you know, these people are like, yeah, I worked here for 10 years, 15 years, and they treat you as just the new kid on the, mm -hmm. you know, who joined the company and doesn't know how to do anything, right? You're in college, you've never worked, you know, anything. But I'm like, no, 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 like I've worked, I know how to deal with all these problems, I can deal with conflict, I can mm -hmm. do this, I can do this. But they just didn't understand that. Right. And so it was this weird sense of like, guys, give me more responsibility, and they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. It was just simple tasks here and there that would consume your time. Right. Sure, but you knew you could do better. Yeah. And that's how I felt. I was like, just give me something a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I was finally given a little bit of a project where I got to design something and create something uh, for uh, like a client's need. Mm -hmm. And so I designed, designed, and then we had a design review. And it was like, remove this, remove this, make this like this old one, like this old one. Everything just seemed to be like the old stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll just copy the old one then, right? Mm -hmm. And they just weren't open to ideas and things like that. And it, it really just made my insides like 
you know, there's a struggle. Yeah. Because I was like, yeah. at past, I got to improve things. Right. When things were wrong and things made, we made mistakes, we improved from them. Mm -hmm. We didn't keep making the same old design and continue using that, right? right. What happened to the design cycle? Right. <laughs> what happened to that design cycle? <laughs> so there I was thinking, like, gosh, I really miss teaching kids. <laughs> And my little sister was going, uh, basically took my job at Pastor yeah. in the summer. She's coming home like, oh, this kid did this, this kid did this. And like, wow, like, you know, if only I was there. <laughs> but I, I, learned, I learned things about the industry sure. and how to navigate through it. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not uh, as warm of a place as past, but it's, um, it's a necessary thing, I guess, mm -hmm. industry. But it definitely... Uh, they didn't give me that level of, I guess it wasn't, was that I, well, it wasn't what I expected. Right, yeah. right, right. And I, I think that's fairly common yeah. right, in that sense. I guess as we sort of think about wrapping up this conversation and um, as you get ready to go off into the mm -hmm. sort of next phase in your world, what do you want us collectively to know? And I oh. don't mean just the past. <laughs> I mean, the, you, you've spent eight, almost nine years, mm -hmm. not just being part of this ecosystem, but honestly helping to build this ecosystem. Um, you have had a hand in so many things, whether you recognize that directly or indirectly, you've played an incredibly meaningful way role in the way we think about what we do and how we go about doing the things we do for kids and for teachers and for changing the way we think about what learning is or could be. Mm -hmm. What do you want us to know? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question. Um, I guess what I've said before is this idea of letting kids be curious. And, and nurturing that mm -hmm. too, right? I, I think that one of the reasons I stayed at past continuously and, and late nights even <laughs> was this idea that you know we were we felt comfortable here. Mm -hmm. This was a whole organization, a workplace, and we felt comfortable here as kids. Mm -hmm. We knew that it was a place that we could learn, a place that we could keep innovating and doing things that no other kids were doing. And it was nurturing that curiosity that we had, that I, you know, the projects that we wanted to build, the things that we wanted to do. And kids came during the summer when mm -hmm. school was off to do projects mm -hmm. just for fun. Mm -hmm. They did. Yeah. And they still do. Mm -hmm. And eight years later, they're still coming. I say eight years later, like, I'm so <laughs> old. But <laughs> it's amazing that as a young kid, I was able to do as much as I did, mm -hmm. right? I'm talking about eight years ago as if it was some career I had as a you know, mechanical engineer. But that was just you know, me being 14 and building robots, mm -hmm. which was crazy. But I learned so many things through all of that. And again, it's because of that allowing the kids to be curious. Why make a block when they can go do something great? And so, uh, yeah, with every project, every camp, every after-school thing that I ran and helped with, it was, yeah, do whatever you'd like to do. You know, we believe in you. We're not going to triple-check your work or have some crazy design review to see if what you're doing, you know, meets our standards or whatever. It was this idea of 
you know what our mission is. You know what our goal is. We're going to treat you like the adult you want to be treated as. So go out and do what you're meant to do, right? We believe in that. And I took that responsibility thing like, oh, I, I am a part of past. I, I am the image of past, right? I am part of this image when I go out and teach it after school club. And if I do something wrong, that's back to past image. So I felt that responsibility and that I think like, okay, you know, Annalise believes in me. These people believe in me. Let me go teach 15 strangers um, and see how, how it goes. And little by little, I'm like, okay, you start to believe in yourself when someone else believes in you and lets you go do things that you never thought you'd be able to do. And just nurturing that. So we have to nurture kids' curiosity. I think I said that yeah. six times now, but <laughs> it's the idea of believe in them and they'll believe in themselves and they'll go out and do things that you never expected a kid to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. <laughs> You know, and the, the unofficial motto at this place is uh-huh. that every child who walks through our doors mm-hmm. is capable of solving the world's greatest problems. And, and it's true. We do believe that. Yeah. And I am so proud of you. Thank you. I am so incredibly proud of you. And I want you to know that I am not just proud of you, but you have truly, truly left a mark, not only on this organization, but on me personally and professionally, because you are one of the most remarkable young women I have ever met. And I am grateful for every moment of those eight years, Fatima. Thank you, I appreciate it. You would always tell me, um, you're gonna go out and do great things. And you know, at the start, I was like, there's no way, right? I was like, this lady. <laughs> this lady. What is she saying? <laughs> right? As I'm, we both sit here in tears. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just a kid. Like, you know, I'm just going to do my thing. High school, college, and this and this. But little by little, you start to believe it. Because you you do think, you're like, I, I did make that curriculum. Or I did run that camp on my own. Or I did go do that. And you're like, maybe she was right. And you start to believe that, you know, Annalise was right. She is right. <laughs> Well, you're amazing, and you're going to do great things in the world, and we are grateful for you. And I'm grateful for everything in the past. Thanks for being on Learning in a Box today. (laughs) Any day. (laughs) Thank you, Annalise. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin. And join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.